you've come back again. My friends. My sweet friends. I've been remiss, I'm afraid. I've told you nothing about my whereabouts and my new lifestyle. But that is because I've been struggling. And it's very hard to listen to anyone, even a friendly voice over the internet, complain. I feel that I do a lot of that. Well, there isn't much to complain about, actually. I'm still in this ridiculous motel. It's not that bad. I sleep during the day, and when evening comes, I find myself usually out and about and trying to stay among people. Discreetly, of course, and quietly. Sitting in bars, walking busy streets, watching live music, finding my way into house parties and not being questioned. This isn't hard, I just can't speak too long with anyone or let them dwell for too long on my shining black eyes. Move quickly and frequently. It's easier on weekends. But I can't do this every night. I simply can't. There are nights when there are no cars about in the streets. Even your very busy ones are quiet. And these are the nights that I see him. Often I'll turn around and he'll be a great distance from me, watching, smiling. And then he'll be gone. Or he'll be in the club, in the crowds, then gone. And I'll pray fervently that he not know where I am resting during the day. Unfortunately, I'm sure that he does know. And in the blackout curtain darkness of the strange and tacky room, as I'll go to sleep in the morning, I can never be too certain that he isn't there, waiting in the shadows. I pursue him. I walk the streets hoping that I will find him and catch him and demand answers. But every time I do this, I turn around and realize that he is pursuing me. What's waiting for you when the lights go out? I believe firmly that the fear of the dark does not really go away. In times of real distress and fear and worry, I have sacrificed sleep for the love of light. Even I, who, I don't hesitate to tell you, Many fear the dark because of. I am the thing that waits in the dark for you. And I sometimes fear it. Because even I have a monster in the closet, under my bed. And he won't come out. No matter how hard I try to get him to. I have a story about a little boy who was very afraid of the dark. There was, you see, a very beautiful but very small theater. Long ago, though not terribly long ago. This little theater was an old place, and was often home to smaller theater troops who couldn't afford much else. It was a beloved staple, but it was not particularly well-funded 
As such, the sets were often shoddy, the actors often hungry, and the costumes often threadbare. But their spirits were in it. Even in a time when many people, not just actors, were going hungry, this theater was a cathedral of escapism. A place where the hungry and the unhappy could go and forget about their problems. And they often did so with a great epic play of Shakespeare's like Hamlet, Macbeth, Richard III. Anything that was grand and regal and spoke of people with troubles that were somehow more grand than those of the sad, hungry people of the day. Somehow watching them struggle with their larger-than-life, fascinating, romantic, and devastating issues was cathartic and wonderful. Theater companies came and went, but what they didn't know about was the little boy who watched in the wings. The little boy who would watch the actors go on and off stage, love each other, hate each other, recite beautiful poetry, fight dangerous sword fights, and leave the theater after the show laughing to each other, drunk off their own talent. I can't tell you much about this boy because no one knew anything about him. The little boy kept to himself. He was content. No one acknowledged him, no one bothered him. No one saw him, in fact. No one knew he was there. I shan't tell you why just yet. And he didn't mind. He was just so happy to get to watch these immense, lovely stories every night. And he had an evening ritual. He would wait, quietly and patiently in the wings, for the stagehands to clear the stage and clean up. He would wait until the actors had left their dressing rooms. And just before the place was locked up for the night... One lone technician would walk to the center of the stage, bringing a lone, freestanding electric light with him. And he would turn it on, then he would walk to the back of the theater and turn the rest of the lights off. But the darkness didn't last very long. The lone stage light, the ghost light, he heard it called, though he paid little attention to that name, would be on. The doors to the theater were locked from the outside, and the little boy had the entire stage to himself, with just one modest, dim light as his spotlight. And he would perform all night for no one but himself. Anon he finds him striking too short at Greeks. His antique sword, rebellious to his arm, lies... He danced gleefully around the dim light. He sang songs. He fought shadows with imaginary swords. Meanwhile, muttering lines from his favorite Shakespeare play to no one. He would speak the speeches he had memorized, night after night. And this little boy was so happy. Even without an audience. Just for himself, he could put on his plays. So, his version, a child's happy and adventurous version of these quite serious and quite mature plays. No. Hamlet was his hero. Romeo was his mentor. Viola was his sister. Lear was his grandfather. This was his life. Or whatever it was that he was living. Silently. 
and every morning he would creep back to the shadows as the technician would return and turn off the ghost light on the stage. He would turn the rest of the lights on, and life went on as usual for everyone else without knowledge of this strange, lonely, but happy little boy. Every night this light was left on. For what reason? There were rumors to the myth largely to do with the fact that if anyone was left out and about around the stage, it would be unsafe for them to not be able to see the edge of it. The light must be there to show the steep drop-off and prevent an accident. But there was another myth, one that the boy didn't like. It was that this light, this ghost light, appeased anxious spirits at the theater. Spirits who, if they didn't have the luxury of a lit stage every night to keep them company, would become angry and dissatisfied and would wreak havoc on the shows during performances. And, as we all know, those in the theater are superstitious people. But the notion of ghosts on the stage with him, angry ghosts who would seek to ruin his beloved Shakespeare plays, upset the little boy and frightened him. This was his stage, after all, at night. He didn't like the idea of strange spirits joining him there. And so he was grateful for the ghost light. As I said, times were difficult. Though the plays were entirely necessary and beloved by audiences, funds were cut tighter and tighter until, finally, the theatre no longer had any real use in this society, in this town. It was an expense to keep it running. The actors needed to get real jobs. Factory jobs, perhaps. Something stable, something to feed themselves and their families. Not that there were any other jobs available but this playing pretend was no longer a viable option. And so the actors packed up their dressing rooms and left. The director made arrangements and had sets torn down or thrown away or burned for firewood. Stagehands left the theater together to go for one last drink before parting ways. And the technician walked to the center of the stage, and he turned off the ghost light, and he locked the doors, and he left, never to return. This little boy was all alone in this big, empty place, and it was dark, very dark. He tried to turn on the ghost light, but it was no use. He was all alone. Well, not quite, for in the shadows he thought he could make out the silhouettes of figures, unfamiliar, perhaps unfriendly, sitting in the audience, just waiting, watching. And the little boy tried to hide in the shadows. He tried to perform his little plays, he tried to leave the theater, but nothing worked. He was frenzied with fear. He railed about, he screamed, he threw things about, he smashed old props, he banged on the walls, he stomped on the floors. And who knows how long this may have felt to this poor little boy. 
How much time did he feel it passed? For truth be told, many, many years passed, and surrounding buildings began to spread rumors. People who walked by the theater and heard strange noises, or who saw through a window objects being thrown about, were frightened of what was living in the old, abandoned theater. Every now and then, a curious teenager or a potential buyer would wander in. However, they didn't turn on the ghost light, and they would find old, dusty props thrown at their head, or they would hear an anguished scream in the rafters, or hear knocking on the set doors, and they would turn tail and leave for fear. But the boy didn't mean to frighten them away. He just couldn't bear being left in the darkness without his lovely stage and his lovely light, and with whatever those dark, menacing silhouettes in the audience were. More years passed, whether he knew it or not. And one day, a young woman entered. She was a singer. She had come to practice. She wanted to sing somewhere with perfect acoustics, perhaps find an old piano to find her note on. She couldn't afford to rent a rehearsal room. She couldn't afford to hire a coach for the day. She knew that all she needed was a private, perfect place. This seemed to be it. Wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt with some modern band's logo on it, she seemed terribly out of place in this theater. She wandered down the aisle in the auditorium, admiring, with her flashlight, the beautiful, cheaply made ornamentation on the walls. She admired how beautifully and lovingly the little theater had been made, even if it wasn't the right size and perhaps couldn't have been made with the finest materials. It was made with passion, and that was something to be in awe of. She made her way towards the stage, but before she got there she heard a loud bang and saw a chair be pushed from the wings onto the stage where it tumbled and fell. She heard knocking on the walls all around her. She heard the sound of someone in pain, someone extremely angry and upset. And her flashlight went out. This girl was terrified, no doubt, but she was also clever. She knew that it wouldn't do to wander out of here in the dark. She didn't know the place well and was liable to hurt herself, especially with all the debris that had been strewn about. She knew the theater well. There must be a ghost light somewhere, she thought to herself. And she saw it dimly in the darkness. She saw the cord hanging off the stage. Scrambling around and feeling for the old-fashioned electrical outlet, she managed to plug it in. And standing above her on the stage in the light, right there, was a little boy. He stared at her, his eyes on her eyes. He couldn't have been more than eight. She felt her blood run cold as she saw his sunken eyes his gaunt cheeks, his sickly face, his thin body. And as she looked at him, she shook as she realized that she could see through him just slightly, subtly. This was no child. Not anymore. This was a ghost. 
She slowly reached toward the plug for the ghost light, thinking she might turn it off and run out of there, screaming. But the boy put a hand out. His face suddenly panicked again. Please, anything but that, anything but the ghost light. And she didn't turn it off. And he smiled. Who are you? She asked him, shaking. This too, too solid flesh would melt, thaw, and resolve itself into a dew. He answered quietly. Her jaw was slack as she saw the little boy shift from foot to foot. Nervous. He went on. How weary, stale, flat, and unprofitable seem to me all the uses of this world. Fie on it. Ah, fie, tis. And he paused. Tis. He couldn't remember it. He looked down at his feet sadly, his eyes red and weary. Tis an unweeded garden that grows to seed. The girl continued for him. He looked up and he smiled. He hopped to his feet. Yes, that was how it went. How could he have forgotten? Oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt. He started again, this time confidently finding his place in the light and enjoying every word out of his mouth. And the singer sat down in the audience and watched. Oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt. And as he spoke, and as his eyes adjusted to the light a little, it seemed that the audience was absolutely full. The silhouetted figures were not menacing, they were not unfriendly, they were merely audience members. Perhaps from mismatched time periods, but they all had one thing in common. They wanted to watch the show. And the little boy performed for them. They watched him play what was basically a child's game in front of them, but they were so happy, so full of pure mirth and glee, a mirth and glee that he shared with them, as a wonderful gift, perhaps, that it did not matter that this wasn't actually a play. His life had been short, many years ago, but his heaven was on this stage, with this ghost light, and he had finally had his little audience. But break my heart, for I must hold my tongue. And the young singer, the only person alive in this auditorium, could not see it. But the boy could. The audience leapt to its feet and applauded, laughed, cheered. And he laughed, he bowed, he jumped, he danced. He was ecstatically happy. For the first time since he had been alive, which was a long, long, long time ago, long before he had even begun to play on stage in the ghost light, he was so totally happy. And he disappeared before her very eyes. I suppose he had what he needed now. He would never bother this place again. He was gone. And he was happy. 
He never came back to that place. I think he's gone forever. To some happy, peaceful place, I hope. That's where he deserves to be. Not locked up in the dark. In the dark of this motel room, I think about all of you out there. And how you give me, perhaps, something close to the feeling that boy may have felt that night. And yet, without my dark, terrible stranger here, what is it all worth? If I don't have answers. If I don't have real companionship. If I don't have... Well, it's not really love, is it? Perhaps it... What was that? Ah. So he's finally here. Good. So, my friends... Do I let him in? Hello, hello, this is Kristen Zaza talking, and I'd like to thank you so much for joining me this week for episode 18 of On a Dark, Cold Night. I hope you've been having a good week since we last spoke. Firstly, I have several thank yous because I am a lucky, lucky girl. Thank you so much to Ellie and to Nora for supporting me on coffee this week. You guys are absolutely wonderful, and I can't thank you enough for being my first two coffee givers. You're absolutely wonderful, and I'm so lucky to have you in my corner. If you want to buy me a coffee and help me make this show the best that it can be, you can support On a Dark Cold Night at coffee.com slash darkcoldnight. That's ko-fi dot com slash darkcoldnight. Or on Patreon at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Thank you so, so much. Another great thing you can do, you can leave me a review, just like Al Hostlin, who writes, Excellent, great introduction to a great series, keep up the good work. Or like Nana Napa Noodle, whose review, titled Love Kristen's Voice, writes, It's like being told a bedtime story, only you never want to fall asleep because that would mean you have to stop listening. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much for these absolutely lovely reviews, guys. I'm so glad that the show has been resonating with you. Uh, If you want to help get the word out about the show and maybe even hear your review read out on air, go to iTunes, podknife.com, Stitcher, my website, or anywhere else you can drop me a note, including my email, darkcoldnightpodcast at gmail.com. Lastly, a quick note about Radio Public. It's this awesome podcast app that is totally free for you to use. And every listen I get through Radio Public goes toward helping me get paid for the show. It's a really great win-win for both of us. So if you have the app or can download it, find me there and I will be one happy ghoul. <laughs> and you can reach out to me also on Twitter. I'm at a dark cold night. And guess what? I will probably tweet you back. I'm on Instagram at dark cold night podcast. And I also have a Facebook group if you want to stay in the loop there. 
Find me on the socials, guys. Again, thank you so much for joining me tonight for this episode that digs back a bit to my theatrical roots. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Looking forward to chatting with you all again next week. Have a wonderful evening and sleep tight. (laughs) 